Good morning, Harlem. It's a happy day. It's a happy day for me. I don't know about you. I'm glad to be back. Amen. Feels good to be back on my feet. Uh, I am, however, not going to go as long as I normally do, so I brought a little time up here to help me out. I'm going to try to be wise and listen to my doctor's advice and my family's advice and stay it off my feet. So this may be a part one and part two to this message is what I'm saying. So let's go to God in the word of prayer. And we're going to jump right into this. Let's go. Uh, Heavenly Father God, we thank you so much uh, for allowing us to come before you to worship you. And uh, Lord, we're so grateful that you have called many of us out of, our, uh, out of darkness and into your wonderful light. I pray for those who are still um, yet to make the decision to follow Jesus and make him Lord of their lives. I pray, Father, that you will convince them before the end of the year that this is a, a decision that they'll never regret. Father, I pray that my words today will be your words, that you'll bless this time in your word, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Open your Bibles to Genesis 13. The title of my message today is Lot's Choice. You know, we've been looking at some Old Testament characters over the past month, and I think it's encouraging for us to really look at people we don't often look at, especially when they serve as examples uh, of everyday life. And we make choices every day. You know, this morning you you made a choice of what you're going to have for breakfast. You chose what outfit you were going to wear. You chose what mode of transportation you would take to get here. We're always making choices. And some choices may not have uh, a direct impact on others, but there are choices we make that will have an impact on those around us. Whether we see it or not, our choices do make a difference. Some of us making a decision to make Jesus Lord of our lives made a direct impact on our personal life, but believe you me, it has also made an incredible impact on the lives of those who had to love you as a sinner all the, all the years leading up to that decision. I know that my family was rejoicing when I said Jesus is Lord because that meant James Warren was going to live a life of repentance and not be as much of a selfish man as he was prior to making Jesus Lord. So I want to look at a, a story today of a young man named Lot. Lot was Abram's, uh, before his name was changed to Abraham, he was Abram's nephew. And Lot's uh, dad had passed away, and Abram had taken him in and raised him as his own. And so they had a very close relationship. They had a very tight bond. Abram looked at Lot as he looked at his own son. And so their relationship was pretty tight up until a very uh, life-changing decision that Lot had made. And we're going to look at that together in in Genesis chapter 13. Let's begin reading in verse 1. Genesis 13, verse 1, it says, So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together. 
for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at the time. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine. So, for we are brothers. Is it not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. So Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered like garden, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt towards Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tent near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Point number one. You are free to make whatever choice you want, but you are not free to choose the consequences. You know, Lot, the first thing that jumps out to me in this story is Lot chose where to go without first consulting the Lord. That's the first thing that jumps out to me, and I hope it jumps out to you, but Lot, he chose without consulting the Lord. He chose to to make this huge life decision without first going to God. Now, upon arriving to this place, what was the first thing that Abram did? It said that he called on the name of the Lord. He praised God. He worshiped God. he, He consulted God. And when we make these life choices, these big life changing choices, the first thing we should do is pray. You know, prayer, in Psalm 10, verse, verse 4, says, In his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. Seeking God first is an act of humility. It's telling God, it's, it's, it's expressing to God, I need you. I want you to guide me. I want you to lead me. I don't want to just do the best for thing for me. I want to do what's best for our relationship and for the relationship of those closest to me. Seeking God first through prayer is expressing that we want his will to be done and that we care about what matters to him. Lot did not do that. He went off and it said that he looked and it reminded him of the gardens of the Lord. He looked and it looked like Eden. Now he hadn't been to Eden, but it just, it looked so beautiful. He thought this must be the garden of the Lord. And he went right for it. The second thing that we see about Lot here is Lot chose with no consideration of others. Now, Lot made his choice purely to satisfy himself. He took the best share of the land for himself. He didn't think about his uncle Abram's needs. 
or the fact that he was leaving his uncle surrounded by his hostile neighbors. He didn't think about the company he was leaving his, his father in. He just thought, I'm going to where it looks awesome. Now, truth be told, Abram expressed humility in allowing Lot to choose first. He was the elder. And by right, he had the first choice. But he showed true humility and true selflessness by asking Lot, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? He risked the chance of being cheated so that he could allow this young man. I'm thinking in the back of his mind, he was probably hoping that all the things he taught, all the lessons he had taught, he had taught Lot, that he would say, no, 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 uncle, you got me here. I am the man I am today because of your influence. You took me in. I have all the, what I have because of you. Please, you do the honors. That wasn't what he did. So it exposed his greed. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4 tells us in the New Century Version, it says, when you do things, do not let selfishness or pride be your God. Instead, be humble and give honor, more honor to others than to yourselves. Do not be interested only in your own life, but be interested in the lives of others. Now, this does not mean that you neglect yourself so that other people can prosper. That's not what the scripture is saying. It's saying get into the habit of thinking about other people. Get into the habit of thinking about whether this choice is self-seeking, self-serving, or whether this will impact other people around me. You know, Abram chose Lot's needs above his own by giving him the first choice. But Lot displayed an attitude that's very prevalent today. He not only made a selfish choice, he made a self-centered choice that was based on ignorance. He had no idea where he was going because he didn't ask the Lord to make it clear. So he went about in ignorance. He didn't know. It just looked good. The grass was greener, literally. And so he went there because it was spacious, and all he thought about was, wow, I already have a lot, and it's going to be multiplied in this very spacious place. But he had no idea what he was walking into. Sometimes when we're not thinking about other people, we make self-centered decisions through ignorance. We make uninformed decisions. And this is what Lot did. He could have even asked his uncle, uncle, what do you think about the land close to the city? And if he didn't trust his own, his own uh, instincts, Abram, who was already in the habit of going to the Lord, could have said, you know what, let me pray about this and then we can talk about it. But that was not what he did. Sometimes when our minds and our hearts are set on a decision, we go with it. We run with it without thinking about the consequences. We just go with it because it feels right. There are times when we need to think of ourselves first. I want to be very clear on this. Like taking a nap before you go off on the kids. You do that. 
If you feel yourself getting worked up, you go take a breather. You help yourself on out because it will benefit your children, right? So there are times when we need to do that or deciding to follow Jesus. That is totally a personal decision. When you make Jesus Lord, that is for you, your salvation, not to please somebody or make someone happy, not to, not to make someone, uh, uh, not, to, not, to, not to, you know, prove to someone that, that, that you really love God. And so let me make this choice. Let me make this decision so that they'll see. No, 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 no. You make that decision because you understand that sin has separated you from God and that God has already laid out a plan that works. And all you need to do is accept it. That is all for you. The forgiveness you receive is all yours. The blessings you receive is all for you. All the promises that come from making Jesus Lord is for you. And as a result of that, other people close to you will benefit from that decision. But that's totally a self, that's okay. I'm making this decision for me first. So there are times when we need to think of ourselves first. But we, you know, we shouldn't make decisions just to please other people. You know, I've realized that choice, my choices matter because people matter. And if I believe that people matter, then I'll put more thought into the choices I make. But if I don't care about other people, then I won't care about the decisions I make. But because people matter to me, I have to think about the choices I make. The third thing that we see is Lot's choice. He chose to isolate himself from God's people. In Genesis 13, verses 12 to 13, it says, Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived amongst the cities of the plains and pitched his tent near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. You know, had Lot had inquired of the Lord, had Lot had chosen to consider maybe working things out with his uncle's herdsmen, let's figure out how we can work this on out. He, without realizing it, forfeited his place in the promise that God was later to give Abraham but given him the entire land of Canaan. So there would have been more than enough space for both them and their herdsmen and their families to live and thrive. God took Abram shortly after and showed him all the land. He said, I'm going to give you all of this. He said, your inheritance, your people, your nation is going to be so great, it's going to be like the dust of the earth. Had Lot had been more selfless, he would have been a part of that promise. He would have reaped the benefits of that blessing. But instead, he chose to go battling. You know, when we choose to isolate ourselves from God's people, we're making a spiritually suicidal decision. 
You know, I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, the Bible tells me that Jesus is the head of the church and that the church is the body of Christ. You cannot be connected to the head if you're not in the body. If you separate yourself from the body, yes, you are separating yourself from the head. Now, you may not think that everything is going to go south, but you got to ask yourself, who's in your life holding you accountable? Who's in your life keeping you connected to the head? I've been a Christian now for 20 years, and I still need people to watch my back. I still need people to hold me accountable to the scriptures. I still need people to encourage me to keep going. I still need people to pray for me when I'm struggling in sin. I still need people to ask me, how you doing spiritually? I still need it. 20 years of walking with the Lord, ups and downs, victories and failures. I still need godly relationships. When I'm away from the body, the old James is like, let's get busy. Especially when I'm around people I were comfortable with in the world. Sometimes it's, you don't even have to try. <laughs> I mean, I was at my, my cousin's wedding. It's the first wedding I've been in in almost 10 years without actually performing. And he asked me to be his best man. We were like brothers growing up. And he asked me to be his best man. And at first I'm thinking, man, you know, thinking all the stuff I had to do. And I said, you know, family, absolutely, I'll be there. And I'm glad I went because our, our side of the family, the turnout was, was, was sad. But as soon as I got around my cousin, it was like, you know, when you, for those of you who were born in another country, you've been here in America, you kind of lose your accent a little bit until you go back to your country and it's like, boom, right? You start speaking as if you just, you know, you, you never left. And so we get around each other, and I feel myself wanting to be the old James because that's who he knew. And who he's not going to be like, whoa, 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 bro. And I had to really fight him thinking, whoa, man, that was, that was too easy. And that was just a weekend away from God's people. You mean, I mean, imagine a whole week. A month away from God's people. We'd be all jacked up. Talking about I'm working on my relationship with the Lord. Not away from the body. But he chose. He chose to distance himself. That doesn't happen by accident. You don't accidentally isolate yourself from the body that's a choice you choose not to come to church you choose not to answer that phone call when somebody's calling you you choose to mute that text message you choose it's your choice no one's standing by you with a gun saying don't pick it up nobody's at your house saying you ain't going nowhere we choose to isolate ourselves, just as Lot did. And as a result, Lot suffered great loss to his family. You know, I want to appeal to the husbands 
the fathers in the building today. You know, we set the spiritual tone of our homes. Whether your wife is a believer or not, you still set the spiritual tone of your family. If your wife is sick, you can bring the kids to church. Because let's be honest. Some of us say, I'm going to stay home and take care of my wife. You're staying home and you're watching Sports Center. Because how much can you really do if she's sick? She can only eat but so much chicken soup. You ain't rubbing her feet. I mean, are you putting the IV in her arm and checking the temperature? And, and what are you actually doing? You don't want to get sick yourself because you got to go to work. So let's be honest, the best thing you can do for your wife is to get the kids out the house, take them to church, get some Jesus in them and yourself, and then come back while she's nice and rested because Lord knows the woman needs a nap after taking care of all of you. Get them out the house. Let her get some rest. And then come back and love upon your wife. It's too easy for us to miss things. And we want to be spiritual. You got to surround yourself with spiritual people if you want to be spiritual. I don't know of a man except Jesus Christ who was able to, to constantly be around unspiritual people and not sin. Jesus is the only person I know of. Paul messed up. Peter messed up. David messed up. When he was by himself, isolated from everybody else. Right? I mean, we see more examples of people messing up, being isolated, than we see of anyone standing firm in the midst of worldly people. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 tells us that bad company corrupts good character. And that's for a reason. You know, I look at all this, and all these things happen to Lot. I mean, you can read the story. This man, I mean, he, men wanted to, to rape his guests. The, the, the angels came, and, and he threw his daughters out there to him. I mean, what kind of dad does that? He said, take my daughters instead. He was so entrenched in the society of Sodom that this man compromised even the, the, the safety of his own family just to appease the people in that town. Even his wife found it hard to turn away. In chapter 19, verse 26, she turned into a pill of salt. All because he made a decision to isolate himself. You know, all these things happened, and even though life, you know, Lot himself, Peter said that he was a righteous man. And Second Peter, check this out. Second Peter 2, verses 7 through 8 says, And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men, for that righteous man lived living among them day after day, was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. You know what this says about Lot? He made a decision to go somewhere, to be in a place where the temptation was so strong that every day he lived in torment and distress. 
every day. He became hardened. But he was tormented where he was at. Let me ask you a question. Are you putting up with your job just because you need a job? But are you tormented at that job? Are you in distress at this place? We need, you need to ask God to get you out of there. Your career, God can blossom your career and take you places somewhere where you won't have to compromise your principles or convictions. Let me tell you, I've worked in places where every day I felt just like Lot. The, the language, the things I saw, the things I heard. And, it, you know, you talk to people, you try to put into practice, if someone sins against you, go and show them his fault. That works in the church. But outside the church, they're like, what? It's like, look, man, I mean, if you don't like what I'm, I'm, I'm watching, go over there. I am over there. I can see and hear everything you're doing. I've had confrontations. I've had conversations. And I just had to simply pray, God, you got to get me out of this. You got to get me out of this. And God will answer that prayer. God took me to a place where, yes, I'm still among sinners, but it, it wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't disrespected. I didn't have to compromise because eventually you get worn down. That's what happened to Lot. That society wore him down. He probably tried to fight. He tried to be right. He even took a position. You know, it says that he, he stood at the city gate. That's how he knew the angels were coming in. And usually when someone sits at the city gate, that means that they had a prominent position in the community. Maybe he was a judge. Maybe he was a businessman that people respected. But he took a position of influence, and he still couldn't make a change. He was still tormented, and eventually it wore him down. You know, we can learn from Lot. We don't have to make the same mistakes. We can learn to trust God and have faith in the decisions that we make. Let's look at some of the choices that we have to face when we're choosing to follow Jesus. James 4, 13 through 15, you know, we, 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 we seek out his will. Our, our goal, our purpose is let his will be done. If God wants me here, then I'll be there. If God does not want me there, then it's got to be for good reason. Some of us have not gotten, those, not gotten those positions because God is like, I value your salvation more. Yes, you have the capabilities, you have the skills, you have the qualifications, but let me tell you, if you get this job, if you get this position, that means less time with the body. That means less time with your family. That means less time with us. You're going to have to get up earlier. You're going to have to stay later. Your time is going to be shrink, shrunken and new. there's not going to be any time left for you to do what I made you to do. 
So sometimes God closes those doors and those opportunities, not because you're not qualified, but because he wants you to make it. Choosing your career. You know, the choice of having a lasting, uh, our career can have an effect on our marriage. You know, husbands, we were created to work. That desire to work is in us. It's innate. It's it. It was designed in our bones. God made us to work. That's part of the curse that we got when Adam and Eve took the fruit off the tree and said, you will work the land. So we want to work. We want to, some of us, we want to, <laughs> you know, it's in us though. We, you know, I had on my, my um, you know, my, my, my gold chart, retire at 40. I'm 43, so you go figure. But some of us want to work. Some of us want, you know, we 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 want to we want to we don't want to advance. But there are consequences to that, and we don't always see what those consequences are. They're not always clear to us, and some careers are very demanding, and will often tempt us to compromise. For Lot, he was distressed. He was torn. I believe, I believe if he had the choice to do it all over again he would have made a different choice. You know, choosing who we date and who we marry. The person you decide to marry will some degree have an impact on your happiness. Now, you can't take them back like you take back a pair of shoes that doesn't fit. Once you make that decision, that decision is for the rest of your life. And so... For the most part, before we marry someone, we spend some time dating that person. And I believe that when you date, the practices that you, the habits you form while you're dating, transition into your marriage. And so if you got help in your dating, there's been someone in your, in your life helping you through your dating life, then there'll also be, you'll also welcome the input when you get married. You'll go after it. Now, who you marry can also have an eternal impact on your life. You know, for some reason, people think that they can change people. And no matter how many times husbands tell their wives, woman, stop trying to change me. You still try to change them. My wife and I married 16 years, and I've been trying to find a way to nicely tell her, honey, you know. It's not like I want to be this way, but, I mean, it's not going to change. And, you know, it's not that you don't want to change stuff that's sinful. It's just that, look, there are habits you have that that, that is going to take the rest of your life to change, but... To go into a relationship that's think, oh, oh, I'll change that. Consider this. Judas walked with Jesus for three years and didn't change. Peter walked with Jesus for three years and was still making the same mistakes later that he made while he was walking with the Lord. That man is not going to change. When you made the decision to love him for life, 
you made the decision to love him and all those bad habits that drive you crazy. He'll change when God changes his heart. Not when you nag him for the thir- the 30th thousandth time. That's not going to help. Stop trying to change people. You know, even when we're helping people in the church, people are not going to change just because of your, your infinite amount of wisdom. People are not even going to change because you show them an unconditional love. You can be as patient and as gracious and as kind and as loving as you want to be. People will only change when they decide that they need to change. And we got to love people through their bad choices and we got to love them through their good choices. You know, we have certain stand, we have certain practices in our church for a reason. Premarital counseling. Why do we do it? Because, number one, we love the wedding. We want to be at your wedding. We want to help you celebrate. That's one day. Marriage is forever. For the rest of your life, that's what we care about. We want you to have a happy marriage. You got pictures to remember your wedding day. But your marriage, that is what matters. That is what we try to help. That's why we talk about things before and not so much after. You need to know who you're marrying. You need to know who you're dating. Who's his friends? How much input does he get on his life? Who are the people he entrusts himself to? Are these spiritual people? Unworldly people? This is why we have dating workshops, because our standard is absolute purity. That's the standard. That's what we aim for. That's the Bible. Let there not be a a, a hint of any kind of impurity. That's what we aim for. This is why we talk about these things, because your relationship has an impact on other relationships. If someone sees you cutting corners... They're going to think, well, hey, so-and-so cut corners, so why can't I? It worked for them. Why won't it work for me? Totally different circumstances. Totally different people. See, we have to make sure that we're keeping God and his will before our own. I'm a married man. I've been married 16 years. I want everybody to be married. But I know better. I know that that's not God's plan for everybody. So I'm not trying to convince everybody to get married. But if you decide to get married, I'm for you. I want to help. I'm not trying to keep you from doing it right. You don't even have to do it my way. I don't care if you don't rent your tux from the same place I got my tux. I don't care if you you didn't choose the same color. That's not what it's about. There are lessons we learn. There are people in the church who have made the same mistake you're about to make. They're trying to help you. It's love. You 
see, sometimes the very people we ignore are the ones we go to to help rescue us when we make that decision. Abraham had to rescue Lot more than once. More than once. The kings of Sodom snatched him and his family up. Everybody, who came to his rescue? His uncle. When the angels went down to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, who delayed the destruction? His uncle Abram was praying for him and asking God, because he knew his nephew was down there. He says, what if you find just 50 righteous people? He was bargaining with God, and he knew that the people down there were sinful, but he was hoping and praying that God would show mercy because his nephew was down there. There are people who love you. There are people in this church who want you to be happy. They're praying for you. They're wrestling for you. They want you to be successful. But when we make decisions totally based on our own, it has an impact. It has an impact. And lastly, I'll stop here. You know, where we choose to live, well, choosing our friends, I mean, you know, Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times, a brother is born for adversity. You know, I, I thank God for the friends that I have in the church. I thank God that there are people who have been with me through thick and thin. And, and you know, and that's my prayer for everybody. We all need somebody in our lives who are going to love us at all times. You know, Abram did not stop loving his, his nephew despite his bad choices. And I think we have, as a church, we have to grow in our expressing of grace to one another. Our expression of compassion. When a brother or sister makes a mistake and they blow it and they don't listen to you or, or when they do something that you just think is crazy, don't, don't cut yourself off from them. Don't distance yourself from them. Love them more. Because that's what God does to us. God shows us grace. He shows us mercy. And, that, and you know, God's kindness, the Bible says God's kindness is what leads to repentance. And so choosing your friends, you got to choose people who are going to love you at all times. At all times. Those are the people we often listen to. Those are the people we trust. Those are the people who are most reliable and dependable in our lives. You know, there's a quote that says, I love this quote. It says that um, you are the people you surround yourself with. I mean, that is so true. You are the people you surround yourself with. You know, I'm going to stop here, and we're going to pick up the second half next week, part two. And I hope that as we look at the story of Lot, that we'll start to be more mindful of the decisions that we make. Here's the good news. And I don't want to give too much away because I want to encourage you next week. Here's the good news. God can bring us back from any bad decision or any bad choice we have made. Because God is faithful no matter what. When you look through the Gospels, you see people have, who have who are in the middle of the consequences, suffering the consequences of prior decisions that they made, and Jesus came in, showed
showed them grace, showed them mercy, showed them the true depth of the love of God. We have to reflect that type of love, not just with each other, but with people out in the world. I love you guys. We'll pick this up next week. To God be the glory.